This morning, I want to share um, a couple of things with you. If I could, well, actually, you don't have a choice. You're here, so I'm going to do it anyways. And last week, Pastor was talking about being in one accord, being the body. And as he was speaking, we were finishing the relationship series. These things began to stir in me. Um, and I was just like, these are the reasons why we struggle to be in one accord. These are the reasons why we struggle to stay connected to the body. These are the things that, that pull on us and weigh us down and, and ultimately maybe cause us to separate from being in one accord, cause us to not be fully committed and united like we could. And, you know, it's not all the reasons, but I feel it's three big ones that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, this quote I found the other day. And I wanted to share it with you this morning before I give you these three quick points. It says, if you aren't willing to listen to everything that God has to say, you eventually won't hear anything he has to say. Ouch. If you want to hear his comforting voice, you have to listen to his convicting voice. That's harsh. Amen? But that's good. Amen? We live in a culture that just wants everything to feel good all the time. But God likes to get dirty. Amen. Likes to get in our business. And it is often what we want to hear least that we need to hear the most. Amen. So I just wanted to share that with you real quick as we dive into this today. I have three points for you this morning. And the first one, if you're taking notes or filling in your blank there, you could put the box or the alabaster box or the false identity. Okay. This morning I was trying to think of the best way to illustrate this. And I, I tried to wear them in first service, but I didn't like that. So I just thought today for second service for you guys, it'd be easier if I just put them around my neck. What are the things that we're chained to that are keeping us from all that God has called us to be? My first chain this morning is the box. And I haven't been working out as much as I should, so therefore I use plastic chain today instead of the real stuff. So do not judge me. And uh, unless you're at Lord's Gym five days a week, you would use plastic chain too. And I also use two and a half pound weights. Okay, so if I was working out regularly, I would probably have like the, I don't know, five pound weight. What does the box represent this morning? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This morning, I want to ask you this question. Is life becoming new? Has Christ changed you? And if not, why? Say, well, oh yeah, I gave my heart to the Lord, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I'm, I want to get in the nitty gritty for a minute today. Is that okay? Like, is he really changed you or is he just like partially changed you? Like, are there some things that you hang on to from your old man that are maybe hindering you from moving forward or being all that God's created you to be? I love this story in the Bible. Jesus is at this house in Mark chapter, uh, I believe it's 14, and verse number three, and here he is sitting at this house, and it says that the house of Bethany, in the house, or being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box. 
a box of ointment of spikenard, a very, and it was very precious. And she broke that box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. And I looked this up and I, I put it up there, but some say, you know, they debate over how valuable it was and blah, blah, blah. And I, the one I found, it said it could be worth up to $240,000 in today's society, okay? You know, if it was only worth $10, it, they wouldn't have thrown a big fit, right? Can we be real for a minute? Like, you know, it, this was definitely something that was costly because it goes on to say that they, they were upset about this and they could have been given to the poor and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. This morning, this lady gave her most costly possession to Jesus. Not only was it extremely valuable, but it was her identity. I'm going to challenge you a little bit, trying to find out who this woman was. Some believe that possibly why she carried this with her was because it was how she gained her appeal or attraction in order to provide for her life. So when she encountered Jesus, she decided that it was time to let go of the old identity and leave it at the feet of Jesus and receive a new identity. So why did it not even cross her mind at what it was going to cost her to leave what she held precious at his feet? Because she knew what Christ had in store for her was far more valuable and more precious than anything she could gain in her own. Amen? This morning... For her to break this open and dump it at Jesus' feet, she was making a very definitive, definitive statement. Jesus, you are my identity. See, this woman's statement was quite honestly contrary to the way we come to Jesus today. We want God to do something new for us while we keep doing the same old thing. We want him to change our circumstances without having to change us at all. We get caught trying to be something God never intended us to be, and today I believe it's time to break the box of false identity. This last week, um, I started a series with our teenagers called Profiles and talking about the masks that we put on and the, the way we present ourselves to people to try to gain their attention. And so we put on this false thing, and none of you guys know about any of this stuff, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, the, the younger generation, they do weird stuff. I know us adults, we're more dignified. We don't do weird stuff, right? But some of these kids, like, they'll have, say, I don't know. I, I'm using social media because it's a good example. Or maybe it's a dating site. It doesn't matter. Adults use that too. And, you know, there's, you put up this picture, this image of who you think people would be attracted to. But it's not really you. Right? So we present this false identity to try to garner the attention of people Amen? And it's not really who we are. So here's this woman that she says, enough's enough. I'm tired of being broken. I'm tired of feeling like I'm not enough. I'm tired of, of being what the world hates. I'm tired of being classified as something. And I'm ready to leave everything I am at the feet of Jesus and walk in who he's called me and created me to be. This morning, when it comes to your identity, Change is a two-sided is, is two coin. It's out with the old and in with the new. 
But I would say some of us may even be stuck in a rut spiritually. You've been doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And what got you to the feet of Jesus may not be the thing that keeps you there. See, this woman declared, I'm throwing everything I have to Jesus. So this morning, what if you really let go of the identity that you felt was valuable and allowed Christ to be your true identity? I know for me, I've had to, uh, to really lay some things at the feet of Jesus. I've had to lay some things at the feet of Jesus that I thought were necessary to carry into this new life in order for God to use me in the way that I felt he wanted to use me. But I found more and more, I try to hang on more and more. Jesus calls me to his feet and says, will you just leave it here, please? Amen? Because he has something greater in store for us. This morning, the second box that I believe we get chained to is a box I'm going to call, well, it's not a box, but it's the plow. Oh, mercy, this is going to do my... I did some shrugs yesterday, so hopefully my neck can hold up. All right. The plow. You say, well, what is the plow? The plow is false provision. Amen? It's sometimes thinking that I'll help God because he's not moving quick enough. You know, it says in Matthew, I believe, 16, is that what it is? Six. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Think about our culture today. Are we not the most anxious culture ever? Did you know that, that we have more kids clinically diagnosed with depression than ever in history? It's like, you're a child. What are you depressed about? Like, you don't have bills Let's just leave it there, period. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean this in a good way. Like, even if you have a bad home, like, you're, it's, you still have things. You know, we just did our backpack giveaway, and, and, and there's, there's programs, and there's help out there. It's not like a third-world country here in America. Can we just be real for a minute. Like, why are American children clinically diagnosed with depression today? Why are adults at an all-time high the most anxious people ever? Amen? Because I think this verse says it all. For this reason, I say, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. He even clothes the lilies of the field. Think about God's word and his promises to us. But yet here we are chained to this plow because we need to help God. Right? We need to make sure God knows what we need and, and, and we are willing to help God bring to pass what's lacking in our life. Amen? But God does not work that way. When he calls us, he wants us to totally to, 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 to totally surrender. Amen? He doesn't want us to surrender this piece and not that piece. Okay? He wants us to surrender all trust, all, all will, all desire, everything. If we will leave it at his feet, he will show up and show off in our life. I'm reminded of a story in, in Kings where Elijah shows up on the scene. Here he was, this crazy prophet 
that everybody knew about, done all these crazy things, had been spoken about across the land, and he walks into this, um, this town and, and comes across this young man by the name of Elisha. And back then, um, if you were a prophet, they wore, it talks a lot in the Old Testament about the robes and the mantles and the, and the different things. And so when Elijah, Elijah approached Elisha, he simply walked by Elisha, saw Elisha in the field working the plow, and he simply threw, the Bible says it, threw his cloak at him and continued to walk. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm working and some, some homeboy just walks up and just throws some, I'm being silly, but somebody just throws their coat at you, you'd just be like, what's your problem, dude, right? But there was, there was way deeper than that, and, and they recognized that. And Elisha was like, wait a second. He just threw God's anointing at me. This is serious business. And I need to make a choice right now. Do I want to be who God is calling me to be? Or do I want to keep pushing the plow? And I think for us, God is calling us to be people that serve him and honor him in a way that is contrary to the way the world works. And we're left with a choice. Do we want to continue to push the plow, take matters into our own hands, or are we willing to say, you know what? God's way or my way. God's will or my will. And we have to make the choice. And Elisha, he, he chose well. He says, so Elisha turned back from him, took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. This is awesome. Boiled their flesh, had a barbecue for everybody, using the oxen's equipment, gave it to the people they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. I want to ask you today, have you sacrificed everything from your old man? Or are you possibly chained to some ideals and some thoughts and some ways that are maybe possibly hindering you from going where God's trying to take you? You know, I believe as we've been going through these series on relationship and dealing with things, I really truly believe in this day and hour that God is trying to take his church somewhere. Amen. He's trying to take his people somewhere. And it's not just Solid Rock Faith Center. I was listening online to different messages. I'm like, whoa, they're preaching the same thing. Whoa, they're talking about the same thing. It's like this global thing that God is trying to bring his people to a place of purity and wholeness because our world is broken and funky and messed up. Amen. And we are supposed to be the light of the world. I shared in first service, man, it is disheartening. Oh, boy. They say that over 75% of Americans today are on some form of prescription drug. 75%. Now, if you are one of those people, I am not, this is not a judgment call. I'm sharing the, the, the situation with our culture today. There are moments where that is necessary. I get that. I'm not, I'm not going that direction today. But how disheartening is it that on Missouri Flat Road, there is a Walmart pharmacy, a Walgreens pharmacy, a CVS pharmacy, uh, another pharmacy, and then a Safeway pharmacy. And I'm like, my goodness. And when you go into these places, some of them, they're like empty. I'm like, how do they even turn on the lights? But then you go back to the pharmacy counter and there's just, just orders like crazy. And you're like, wow, 
Wow. And I just wonder if we're chained to things for the wrong reasons. This morning, when you encounter the love of God, he changes the directions of your eye and you can't look back. For Elisha, he recognized the call of God. He recognized what the prophet had done. He recognized that what God has is far greater than anything this world has to offer. This morning, you're going to plow either the fields of man or the fields of the kingdom. Your life is going to plow somewhere. And if you don't, turn, don't burn the plow, you'll return to it. If you don't sacrifice everything from your old man, you'll return to it. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know about that. Trust me. Like, I've had to sacrifice some things. You know what? I know I will never smoke pot again. Sorry, I got some of you like, huh? Yeah, I used to be a drug addict, okay? I didn't go through 12 steps. I came to the cross, and I encountered the love of God, and he redeemed me and restored me, and I am not a drug addict. I am not an alcoholic. I will not drink alcohol again, amen? Come on. I will not smoke a cigarette again. I won't drink wine because it references wine in the Bible. I'm going to mess with some holy cows right now. <laughs> Study why they drank wine. They had no water filtration. They had to preserve the grapes, so they had something to drink, right, Adrian? Am I correct? It wasn't because they needed to relax at night after a long day in the office and putting up with however many kids. And dogs. The way we justify things today is so wrong. Because we're hanging on to our plow. We're hanging on to this box. We're hanging on to these things. I made a decision that I am burning everything that used to represent my provision. Amen? I am, I am not looking back at what God is trying to deliver me from. And that's what Elisha says. He goes, I am burning everything that represents my old man. Because I want to go where God wants to take me. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this morning, but you can live with chains. You can live with, with this stuff in your life. You can be in church. You can experience the power of God, the presence of God. But you're never going to go as far as God wants to take you. Because my arm's starting to get fatigued, so I had to change arms. <laughs> I'm slowing down a little bit. And I think that's where we missed it. And when pastor was talking last week, I'm like, man, what hinders that one accord is because I, I wonder if it's because we're trying to bring so much of our past life and our old man into this new place that God's trying to take us. So we filter everything God is asking of us through the box, through the plow. And the last one I have for you today is the God's. I should have got somebody to help me today so I didn't have to wear these. <laughs> Listen to me this morning. What are you hanging on to in case God doesn't work the way you think? If you don't burn it, when life gets tough, you'll fall back to it. I've watched it over and over. I've watched people, oh, God delivered me from alcohol. And 10 years later, 20 years later, they're drinking again. I'm like, I thought God delivered you. I'm sorry, if that's you in this room, I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm saying that, that Christ paid a price to set you free, and, and I believe that that freedom is ours to be had. This morning, 
Maybe you can't let go and trust because you have a flawed father image that in no way, no way resembles your heavenly father. Even the best earthly father can't measure up to him. I know I'm, I'm like trying to be the best dad on the planet, get father of the year, but you know what? I don't measure up to God. I fall short. Amen. He longs for us to approach him as caring, sensitive, generous, and dependable and loving. This morning, what if you sacrificed your preconceptions of the way he could work on your behalf and allowed Jesus to show you who God really is? For me, I've had to come to the understanding that he knows my unique characteristics. He knows my distinctive personalities. He knows my gifts. He knows my thoughts, and he knows my feelings. Church, trust me this morning. He fully accepts responsibility to provide for our lives. Think about it. Psalms 51, and I got ahead a little bit, Dave. You can come back to Psalms 50, verse 10. It says, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. When you sacrifice to God the plow of provision, you now can stand on the covenant promise that he's given to us as his people. Amen. Do you know how many times I've had to stand there and remind God, uh, your word says that as my dad, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. So I ain't even going to trip right now about needing to buy a battery because I already know it's already paid for. The provision is already there. God, you've already met every need in my life according to your riches and glory, which are found in Christ Jesus. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. I don't have to look back at the old man and go, well, man, when I wasn't serving Christ, uh, I had a little bit more money in my bank account. Or when I was serving Christ, I had a little nicer car or whatever whatever our attitudes become. But we got to sacrifice that because when life gets hard serving God, if you don't burn the plow, you're going to go back to it. Amen? You're going to go back to the old attitudes, the old mindsets, and the old ways. But I'm here to tell you today that God wants to set us free. My last one for you today is the false gods. The false gods or the false comfort in our life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 10, it says, therefore, take no or take pleasure in infirmities. Excuse me, what did he just say? Take pleasure in infirmities. Our world today is like, oh, things aren't going my way, I'm leaving. Right? I don't feel good uh, in that situation, I'm out. Right? We just talked about relationships, like, oh, that didn't, I didn't win tonight, so I'm out. I'm going to find somebody else. Right? But Paul's like, take pleasure in infirmities. Rejoice! In infirmities, but no, not today. Today, we get on Facebook and we post about our infirmities. Feel sorry for me. Feel bad for me. No, Paul said, rejoice when you're going through hard things. Getting quiet in this church this morning. Because we think that, man, if I'm serving God, I'm not going to go through anything hard. If Christ really loved me, I wouldn't be facing this right now. If Christ was, you know, really as good as he said he would, I wouldn't feel this way. It's like, no, Paul says, take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, take pleasure in need, take pleasure in persecution, take pleasure in distresses, take pleasure for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he is made strong. 
Think about this. What if we started rejoicing when things don't go our way? Amen? What if we started being thankful when we didn't get our way? I know I've had to get to that point where, like, I thought something was going to go my way. We just had a situation um, a week ago that we're like, oh, man, this is totally God. This is awesome. God's hooking us up. Anybody ever had one of those moments where it's like, God, you are hooking us up because you are faithful to your kids. And then the situation fell through. And I was, but not even for a moment this time did I go, God, that wasn't nice. Like, Dan and I just looked at each other and we're like, well, God's got something better. Praise the Lord. God might be sparing us. Praise the Lord. God, God's watching out for us. Who knows what was on the other side of what looked good on the surface. Amen. But too many times we go, somebody, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I, this is for the people that I talk to at the gym. I know nobody here at church has this mindset. But Paul encouraged us to allow the trials of life to draw us closer to the comfort that comes from the King of Kings instead of turning to false hopes and comforts. This morning as I wrap up, I love this passage um, because it illustrates how the children of Israel, these are God's kids, man. These are, they, I mean, we have seen God move in, in great ways. How many of you have seen God move in powerful ways. You've, you've seen miracles take place. You've seen favor go before you. You've seen provision um, just made for your life, like things that just do not make sense where you just go, that is God. Amen? None of what we've experienced compares to what God's kids saw in the Old Testament. Can we just be really honest for a minute? Could you imagine getting to see what they saw? I mean, come on, getting to see like the sea parted, Right? Like, that's incredible. Like, watching the ground, there's that one story where, where God, the, the enemy was coming against them, and God just literally opened the earth. And sorry, I'm not remembering the passage right now, but he just swallowed up the enemy, just split the earth open, and they all just whoo, vanished into the ground. I mean, you want to talk about, wow. Like, how many of you have that enemy in your life? You're like, God, could you just open the ground real quick and take care of business? Right? Like just a little earthquake, like just a small one, like just over their house. No, we love people. We don't talk like that. Amen? Never. But imagine all these things that these guys had experienced, and you're just like, you know, I mean, just countless encounters where, you know, it didn't rain and then it rained and, you know, frogs and I mean, just all these different things that got the waters turning red and blood. And I'm just like, wow, all these things. And then here we get to this passage where Jeremiah is rebuking them. He's like, listen, you, sorry for my Christianese, you idiots. Like, have you forgotten who God is? And they did because it's in our human nature. Amen. It is totally in our human nature to just get impatient, get anxious, and forget who God is. He turns over and goes, your shoes are worn out. Your throat is parched from running here and there to worship foreign gods. Stop. He says, I shouted, but you replied, no, I love those gods too much. I love my old music too much. It was good music back then. No, it wasn't. 
not going to point any fingers. You and your leaders are more disgraceful than thieves. You and your kings, your priests, your prophets worship stone idols and sacred poles as if they had created you and given you life. You've rejected me, but when you're in trouble, you cry to me for help. Think about this. How many times do we reach for something else to gain comfort instantly instead of reaching to the one who created us? What keeps us from going to where God wants to take us? Can we just be ugly for a minute? It's the false gods in our life. It's the things that we lean to to escape. It's that there's a, they, they've, I can't remember what they call this disease now, but it's actually, it's a new disease that they've diagnosed in people that um, because we're so addicted to our cell phones that you actually feel it, you think it's going off. You actually feel like a vibration. And so you reach for your phone and you check it and there's nothing there. Has, is, is there any honest Christians in this building today that say, that's happened to me? Thank you. There's, thank you for being honest. The rest of you need to repent. If, are there anybody in here that doesn't have a smartphone? Thank you. A couple of you. Good. I'm going back to the flip phone. Amen. I'm tired of that thing. Amen. Sure I am. <laughs> but how many times, I mean, the, you know, social media is a great example, but there's other things. Like there's, there's, a good, there's things that we escape to instead of escaping to the presence of God. There's things that we reach for instead of reaching to our God. And that's what Jeremiah's going, why don't you just turn to, you know, you guys can fill in the blank in church this morning. What, what are the things that we turn to? He said, go cry to the gods you made. There should be enough of them to save you because Judah has as many gods as it has towns. I wonder if as Christians have we allowed the little G a little more space in our life than the big G. Amen? I know. He's been convicting me, so I'm just sharing my personal experiences with God this morning. See, the false gods were things that they erected and built to symbolize moments when something happened, something significant, and then they leave, oh, this is when something good happened, or I won the lottery, and so I'm just going to buy those numbers every time, and you just begin to worship these situations instead of worshiping the God that created you. Society is filled with them. It's the things we turn to instead of Jesus. It's the things that we lean on to escape. What are some false gods of our world today? Oh, these are going to be tricky, but don't hate me. And don't judge me. Maybe the first one, maybe a big one is education. We worship like being more educated. Oh, I just need to learn more. I need to go to school. Like the mantra to our kids today is, you know, you just need to educate yourself. You go, 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 go. And then they go. And some of you, trust me, I'm all for education. I didn't go to college. I went to Bible college. But there is a place and a time for that. But there's a lot of kids that are off at college just getting a free ride. And they don't even know why they're there. They're there because somebody told them to go, and they should be in the in the uh, in the trades. Thank you, whoever said that. My brain was clicking. They should be pounding a hammer. They should be slinging a shovel. They should be doing something because that's just who they're gifted to be. That's not a negative thing. But we're told today is like, oh, just work with your brain, work smarter, not harder. No, somebody's gonna have to do the labor, right? Like if we're all just smart, nothing's ever gonna get done. <laughs> Right, Nick? 
If we just sat around talking about how smart we were, you wouldn't have a new deck. Amen, brother. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we worship beauty, constantly worried about how we look. We'll leave that one there. Maybe we worship our comfort. You know, I just want to feel good. I just, I'm so worried about like how I feel and I don't feel good. So I'm going to get some drugs and maybe we worship substances. Well, I never feel this good worshiping God. I'll just, man, when I, when I drink, man, I feel good. When I smoke, I feel good. It just helps me relax. Or nowadays, the new Christian thing to, to, to validate drinking is, well, they said it's good for my heart. Just a glass, just one glass. I'm not addicted, but just one glass. This is one that, that's tricky to say. Family. Maybe we put family before God. People today are family first. I got to focus on my family. I knew that would get quiet. Science. Bill, if you'd come back, please. People begin to believe that science has all the answers. Amen? Is this okay today? Am I, am I rattling any cages? Um, this one we don't like to talk about in church, but sex. Come on, you see it everywhere today. We worship sex so much. It's okay. If you're married, you're supposed to love it. It's, it's awesome. That's, everybody should have said amen. <laughs> guys get so religious. See, you guys, false god religion right now. You're being religious on me. But we worship sex so much we're willing to sacrifice babies. Money. We're willing to compromise integrity if it means a profit is possible. Think about these things that have just creeped into our culture and our society. The things that we're so consumed with. You know, that's what God's been dealing with me on. It's like, man, you're a fast-paced guy. I am. I'm a, I'm a fast-paced person. I am always, I got five things in the queue right now. Okay? So if you go, man, how's it going? I'm like, good, man. I'm doing <clears throat> and God's like, slow down, son. You got to be careful that you're not being so consumed with the things trying to help God that you don't have time for God. And I think if we got really honest at the end of the day, most of these false gods come down to self. Self-feeling, self-pleasure, self-satisfaction, me. It's all about me. <clears throat> but ultimately, humanity is broken and we all know it. Things are not as they should be. And as a result, we're looking for answers to solve our problems in all the wrong places. My fear is that people are turning to the wrong things for hope. They're not dealing with the pain. They're just masking the pain. But I love what the prophet Isaiah said. In Isaiah 53, he, he prophetically spoke. This was before Christ came. 
God said, listen, here's what I'm going to do for you. He says, but the fact is this. It was our pains that he carried. It was our disfigurements. All the things wrong with us. And we thought he brought it on himself. That God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sin that did that to him. That ripped him and tore him and crushed him. It was our sin. He took the punishment that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all of our sin. Everything we've done wrong, every chain on him and on him alone. This morning, would you stand to your feet? I want to ask you to be honest with God for a moment. Are there chains in your life that Christ paid the price for? Are there chains that are keeping you from the true freedom, the true peace, and the true fulfillment that His Word so beautifully promises to us? See, many struggle to let go of what the world offers because they feel what God has seems smaller or too far out of reach. Man, if I really let go, God, are you really going to come through? And I'm going to be transparent with you. There's times where life does get tough. And I feel like the older I get, I thought it'd get easier. But I'm finding like, I got a lot of responsibilities on my back. And there's, can I, can I, I'm going to go here. There's moments where I'm like, man, I wonder if I just cracked open a beer, if I'd feel better. Man, I I wonder if maybe if I lit up a joint, maybe I'd feel a little more relaxed. Maybe if I had a glass of wine, I would be a little more peaceful. But then the Holy Spirit goes, what the heck are you talking about? Why would you go back to what I delivered you from? Why why would you want to open that box? Why would you even want to resurrect it? I'm like, oh, you're right. That'd be stupid. That'd be really stupid. And I just wonder if the voice of God is cloudy because there's chains that we've not let go of. There's things that we hold on to and we justify them. And we make excuses for them because we're scared. But I love what David said in Psalms 51. He says, or 118, sorry. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. All these things are the byproduct of man. They're all the byproducts of humanity. This morning, I heard this story. Uh, Leah, she was in first service, shared it with me. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to paint this picture in your mind of this beautiful 
eagle nested up in this tree. It's right at the basin of where the snow caps melt and the river forms and one day as he's looking up there's this frozen deer carcass floating down the river and uh, he he looks and he decides to swoop down and get some lunch and as he swoops down he latches onto this carcass and he begins to eat and he gets down to that big old beautiful beak and he's ripping this thing apart and tearing into it and then he would look up because he knew just down the river there was a waterfall so he kept digging in and ripping meat off of this carcass and then he would look down river make sure the waterfall wasn't coming and then dig down in again and rip and look up and here he goes floating down and for he knows that he gets right to the edge of the river. And he goes, I got time for one more bite. And he rips into this carcass. And as he pulls it away, he goes to let loose of his talons. And he's frozen to this carcass. And he plummets to his death because he was frozen to this carcass. And I wonder if that paints an incredible picture of how long we try to hang on to our chains. Thinking we can hang on a little bit longer. I got a little more time. God knows my heart. I think that's the number one excuse we have as Christians today is God knows my heart. But I wanna challenge you today as a church, it's my job as a pastor to not let you leave here feeling all rosy, but to speak something to your heart that would maybe challenge you to grow deeper in your walk with God. And I would love to say that I could invite you up here and lay my hands on you and and pray this anointed prayer over your life and every one of those chains is gonna, you know, fall off of your life. You'll be free. but I'd be lying. There's not a single chain that's been broken in my life without me making a conscious decision to walk away. I leave it at the altar and I don't look back. And I believe this morning, just like that eagle, God is speaking to us saying, how much longer do you want to hang on to that false identity? How much longer do you want to hang on to that false provision? How much longer do you want to worship those false gods? Because God wants to do something greater in each of our hearts. I know he's been challenging me. He's like, Sean, get clean house a little bit more. I feel like it's never... You know, it's this progression. I'm like, okay, I'm over this, I'm over that, I'm good. It's like, no, he goes, nope, now it's time to deal with this. Amen? Do I have any friends? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen? But that's the beauty of it. Is the Bible says he takes us from glory to glory. 
Amen. We are on a journey. Salvation is not a resting place. Salvation is a journey until we get to stand before him on that day and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. You don't pray a prayer and get a free ticket. Sorry. It's a work until the day you die. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? This morning, there's someone here that you just needed a reminder. That you know the freedom that God has. You know the provision he has. You know the promise that he has. But you're human and and things creep in. And you just needed that gentle reminder today that it's time to, to, to cut loose of some things. But I believe there's somebody in this room today that you've yet to let Christ truly set you free. You've yet to allow him to to truly touch your heart in a way that he desires to touch your life. You're like that woman that her identity was so false. It was such a lie. It was so broken. It was so disfigured that, that the minute she had an opportunity to get to the feet of Jesus, she didn't even think twice. She emptied her life at his feet and he raised her up to a new life. And that's you in this room today. You've allowed this false identity to ruin you, to destroy you, to hurt you, to break you, to bring you to a place where enough is enough. And if I could just get to the feet of Jesus, I would empty my whole life at his feet. If that's you today, say, Pastor Sean, that's me. I'm done. I'm tired of the lie. I'm tired of the mask. I'm tired of the pain. And I'm ready for Christ to redeem me. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. I'm ready to to empty my box at his feet because I want what he has in store for my life. I want that peace. I want that joy. I want that provision. I want that promise. I want to spend eternity with God. If that's you, do you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Sean, that's me. Thank you. Honest people in the room. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you. God is so good. Thank you. Thank you. God's a chain breaker. There's a song. He's a chain breaker and a way maker. Over the last 22 years, man, life tries to throw things at you, tries to latch on to you. But if you trust him, those chains, they just fall off. moments like this where you go that's 
That's the reason. There's some of you in here. God's trying to convict you of the false gods in your heart. Not because you're a bad person. Not because you've failed. But he's trying to purify because he wants to be able to speak clearer into your life. Maybe be honest in church this morning. Say, Pastor Sean, that's me. There's things that I've reached to for comfort instead of reaching to God. Instead of standing on the cross. But today's your day to sacrifice those false gods. To say enough's enough. I'm going to leave them at the altar. And I'm going to start finding my refuge in his promise and in his word. Many of you raised your hand this morning. Some of you I know personally. Some of you I'm getting to know. Some of you I have yet to meet. But can I tell you today that we're going to pray a prayer. And I believe it's going to release the voice of God in your life. The Bible says that when they once they prayed that prayer, that the, the scales were lifted off of their eyes. Okay, and the world has, has put, I thought Pastor did such an amazing job last week with the marker on the glasses and, you know, trying to alter our view. And, and that's what the world has done. Don't listen to the world for justification for what we allow in our life as God's kids. But what's going to happen is we're going to pray this prayer and you're going to walk out this door and you're still going to be the same human being you were when you walked in. But I believe if you will allow God, he will actually remove this it's the only way I know how to say it is what the word says scales from your eyes a false vision a false understanding and he's going to begin to show you what's good and what's bad he's going to begin to show you what's what's lacking and where he wants to move in your life